God doesn't only give us a general revelation, but he gives us a specific revelation. As God knows, if he does not tell us who he is specifically, we're going to make up our own ideas about God. And not only we make up our own ideas about God, but we're going to make God after our own image. It was Frederick Nietzsche who said, God created us in his image and what? We've been returning the favor ever since. God wants you to know him. That's a big part of Pastor Daniel's message today. Your creator wants to reveal himself to you. He does this in many different ways, and Pastor Daniel will explain them to you. It's important that you learn about God from God, too. If you're trying to create a description of him on your own, there's no way you'll be accurate. God is too great for comprehension on your own. Let God tell you who he is today. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 2 as he continues his message, O Christmas 3. What we're going to find in this passage, this passage about the wise men, is that there's three series of threes in it. That there's this three-peat, so to speak, of threes. And the number three in the Bible is, it signifies either completion, unity, or perfection. When you think about the revelation of God in the Bible, it's one God in three persons. The unity of who God is. It speaks about Jesus's earthly ministry lasting about three years. Many significant events in the Bible, including the resurrection of Jesus, happened on what? The third day. And so what we're going to do is we're going to see tonight in this passage three series of three that are specific to the story of the wise men, but also can be applied to all of us in different ways. So I'm going to read it to you. Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to take the first 12 verses. It says this, Now after Jesus was born... In Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. 
When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now, the first set of three that we see here in this story is that there's three different kinds of people. There's three different kinds of people here. And I'm going to unpack it for you. I'm going to give it to you all in the beginning, and then we'll take each one. There are three different types of people. There are those who are hostile to Jesus. There are those who are indifferent to Jesus. And then there are those who will worship Jesus. Three types of people. And I'm here to tell you that in this room, in the world that we live in, there are these same three types of people. Those who are hostile to Jesus. Those who are indifferent to Jesus. And those who have come to worship Jesus. Now, before I explain to you who each person is, I want to share a scripture with you. It's one of my very favorite in in the whole of the Bible because in a lot of ways, it sums up the meaning of our lives. And it's Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says it this way. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. When you think about that verse, what it means is that we each, each one of us, need to keep or guard our hearts. Why? Because out of our hearts spring the issues of life. If you look at every situation, every issue in the world, if you deduce it back to its root cause, it's almost always a heart issue, isn't it? There's something in the human heart that is keeping us from being the people that we want to be, that we know we ought to be, that we should be. It's a lack of compassion or love, a lack of wanting to involve ourselves in the life of other people, in the needs of the world. So when we think about these three types of people, it's important for us to not just think about thousands of years ago, but to think about us today, who we are and what we do. So first, those who are hostile to Jesus. In the story, King Herod is hostile to Jesus. This king, this ruler is actively seeking to get rid of Jesus. Why? Because as a ruler, hearing that the king of the Jews was born and he was a ruler there in Israel, he's like, that child king is challenging my power structure. You find later in the gospels that when the magi, the wise men, don't go back to Herod, he actually actively persecutes children to try and do away with someone who will be a rival to his throne. There are many people today, and no doubt, maybe people here today, who, when you look at your heart, there's a hostility to Jesus. Jesus is 
intimidating to your own personal power. And so you'd rather Jesus not exist. There's all sorts of people who will tell you why you shouldn't believe in Jesus. New York Times bestselling authors. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Let's get rid of Jesus. Let's pretend like he's not real. Let's do all these things. There's a hostility to Jesus. But that's a hard issue, isn't it? This was God's promised child. But yet Herod was still hostile. There was also those who were indifferent to Jesus. Now, in the account there, you know who was indifferent to Jesus? The chief priests and the scribes. The Magi come seeking Jesus, and they know where he's born, but they don't want to go meet him. There's many people, even here today, some of us find ourselves to be indifferent to Jesus. Now, it's interesting that in the account, the people who are the most indifferent to Jesus are actually the most religious people. Because they knew the scriptures. They knew that he was be born in Bethlehem, and they heard that he was born They're like, we know what the scriptures say, but we actually don't want to meet with Jesus. It's easy to use religion as a way to keep Jesus at an arm's length. Why? Because religion and the gospel of Jesus Christ are different from one another. Religion says, I obey God, therefore God accepts me. So I do all these good religious things, and now God is in my debt, and I'm supposed to get whatever I want. So we use religion to keep God away. But that's not the Christian gospel. The Christian gospel is not, I obey, therefore God accepts me. The Christian message is, I'm accepted, therefore I respond to God by obeying what he wants. And when we realize we're accepted no matter what we do, now all of a sudden God's not in our debt. We just come and say, thank you. So in our... Story, the religious leaders were indifferent. They knew he was born. They just didn't want to go near him. But you know what's interesting? A lot of people are also indifferent to Jesus, not because they're religious. They're just spiritually apathetic. And I don't, I don't mean to be crude or rude, but some of us are just apathetic to Jesus. That we know that he's God. We know he was born. We know he died on a cross and rose again. But for whatever reason, it doesn't move our hearts at all. I mean, now think about this. Imagine if you had a life-threatening illness. You needed a heart transplant or a liver transplant. And somebody said, look, I'm willing to give up my life so that you may have life. Are you going to be indifferent to that person? Are you going to say, oh, yeah, well, yeah, it's great. They died, but, you know, hey, I'm living so cool. Let's just go on. I don't think so, right? When somebody is willing to give up their life so that you may have life, that's going to impact your heart. You're going to spend the rest of your life saying, I need to live differently because somebody gave up everything so that I might be here. And that's why if you're here today, or maybe you're watching online and you're indifferent to Jesus, you got to say, God, why is my heart indifferent to Jesus? He gave up his life that I may have it, not only to give me an abundant life now, but to give me an everlasting life for all eternity. Not just, I, get, I give up my life now so I get heaven later. I get life now and later. It's the complete package. But we shouldn't be indifferent. But some of us find ourselves in that heart space today. And then third, those who've come to worship. And of course, the wise men, the magi, they've come to worship Jesus. They're seeking after him. They won't stop until they find Jesus. And when they find Jesus, we find that they 
give him gifts. They lavish gifts upon Jesus. So I ask you today, where do you find yourself? Are you hostile? Are you indifferent? Or have you come to worship Jesus? There's three types of people. Now, not only is there three types of people, there's three types of revelation that we find in this passage. Three types of revelation. Now, the word revelation, you're going to love this. The word revelation in the Bible is the Greek word apocalypsis, which we get our word apocalypse from. Now, I know when you hear the word apocalypse, you think, thank God for Bruce Willis. Because if there's a meteor coming to the earth, thank God for Bruce Willis. He's going to get on a, on, on a shuttle. He's going to go drop a nuke in that thing, and he's going to save the day. When you think of apocalypsis, you think of the end of the world. But you know what the word apocalypsis actually means? It means to open a presence, to open a box to see what's inside. And I'm here to tell you today, not only right now, and but every single moment of your life, God wants to open up the present of who he is in, to, and through each one of us. God wants to reveal himself to, in, and through our lives. And in this passage, we see three types of apocalypses, three types of presence that are being unpacked for us. I'm going to give them to you real quick. We see that there is a general revelation. There is a specific revelation. And there is a personal revelation. There's a general revelation. There's a specific revelation. And there's a personal revelation. You know what the general revelation is? The general revelation is that star that they saw. The star that precipitated or began the journey for the wise men. It's the way God reveals himself to us in nature, in what he created. Do you realize that everything that God has created reveals something about who God is in a very general way? What that tells us is that when you see the rain, and we see some of that, When you see some ice, when you see the sun, the moon, when you watch something blossom, that tells us something general about the God who created us. And in this story, the Magi see the star, there's a general revelation. There's also a specific revelation. And the specific revelation is when they go and they say, the king of the Jews was born in Bethlehem. The specific revelation is God's word, the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. God reveals himself specifically to the wise men, and I believe God wants to reveal himself specifically to us. Now, I know some people say, hey, listen, you know, the Bible, you know, okay, whatever, but like my church is nature. I have friends like that. Nature is my church. And I say, well, listen, the word church actually means a call-out group of people, so You can't let nature be your church because nature is not people. It's nature. But the reason God doesn't only give us a general revelation, but he gives us a specific revelation is God knows if he does not tell us who he is specifically, we're going to make up our own ideas about God. And not only we make up our own ideas about God, but we're going to make God after our own image. It was Frederick Nietzsche who said, God created us in his image in what? We've been returning the favor ever since. Left up to our own devices, the average human being is going to make God just like them, liking who they like, hating who they hate, 
valuing what we value and devaluing what we don't value. In a lot of ways, we want God to be a Stepford God. You guys remember the movie or the book, The Stepford Wives? Anybody? Yeah, some of you read the book. I'm from the movie culture. Remember in that movie, in that community in Stepford, the men just didn't want to have to deal with their wives. So they plugged a little chip in their brains and all their wives were perfect, could cook perfectly, were totally cordial, never had an opinion on anything. And all the guys said, amen, Merry Christmas. You're going to get coal in your stocking if you said that out loud. (laughs) But listen, all of us want to have a step for God. We want God to be just like us. We want to be able to fortify what we value by saying, that's where God is at. And I'm here to tell you, God revealed himself to us specifically in the Bible to challenge all of our presuppositions about who God is and what God values. So God reveals himself specifically in the Bible. And then, of course, God reveals himself personally to these wise men. I mean, the same account in Luke chapter 2. We find that the angels start revealing themselves specifically to the wise men. And I'm here to tell you that God wants to reveal himself personally and intimately to you and to me and to all of humanity that he created. Not only is it just nature or just the Bible, there's also that personal, intimate revelation of a relational God who knows everything about us and wants us to know who God is. And Psalm 19, if you want to go do some homework later, lays out the exact same thing for us. The three types of revelation, general, specific, and personal. So you notice this, you have three types of people, hostile, indifferent, and then worshiping. You have three types of revelation, general, specific, and personal. And finally, you realize that these wise men give three gifts to Jesus. Now, because of that, most people think that there was three wise men. But it, the text never says that. They just give three gifts. So they say, oh, they three gifts, so one gift per person. There must have been three of them. The Bible doesn't say that, but there are three gifts. And don't think for a moment that those gifts don't have any meaning. Each one of these gifts tells us something about this child, Jesus, who we worship, who we're celebrating this Christmas and every Christmas. And I call this the three offices of Jesus. The three offices of Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you the three, and I'm going to hit them real quick. What we find, the three offices of Jesus, is that Jesus is a king, Jesus is a priest, and Jesus is the Savior. He's king, priest, and Savior. Look at the three gifts that we find. They brought them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, gold. You have to realize that a couple thousand years ago, it wasn't like today where if you wanted to buy some gold, you just go to the jewelry store, or you bid for some Krugerrands on eBay, It wasn't like that. Gold was even a a less common commodity. And kings were known for their great stashes and treasuries of gold. And when the, the wise men bring gold to Jesus, they're saying, this child is the king of the Jews. That's how the story began, right? We're seeking the king of the Jews. And gold shows Jesus as a king. And he is a king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But not only did they give him gold, they gave him frankincense. Now, frankincense 
was a type of incense. And incense, this type of incense, was very common for the priests. It was a sweet fragrance to God. And when they brought Jesus frankincense, it spoke about this child who not only was a king, but he was also a priest. In Jesus' culture, the priests, they were the mediator. They stood between the community and God. They witnessed to the community about who God was, and they spoke to God on behalf of the community. And Jesus is the great high priest, the mediator between you and I and God. So not only is this child a king, and not only is he a priest, but he also brought myrrh. Now, myrrh was actually an embalming spice. When somebody died, their bodies in that culture were embalmed with myrrh. And when you think about, when you think about the reality that Jesus was given myrrh at his birth, it speaks about his death and his resurrection. That's what it speaks about. And Not only is Jesus a king, not only is he a priest, but he's also the savior. I want to close with two scriptures, both from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17 tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have been made new. That speaks of Jesus as the Savior, that no matter what your history is, no matter how bad this morning was, yesterday was, last week was, no matter how bad it was, if you find yourself in Jesus, because of his death and resurrection, the past was the past, you've been made brand new in Christ. And then later in that same chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, for he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Brothers and sisters, this Christmas and every day, we have to remember that that child who we celebrate, who was laid in a manger, lived the perfect life that we could never live, died the death that we deserved, and rose again, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. People have worshipped Jesus for 2,000 years. The wise will continue to. Jesus is You've likely heard the story of the Magi who followed a star to meet Jesus. But did you know that the three gifts they carried had such significance? Pastor Daniel explained this more in today's message as he shared the truth of what Jesus' life would bring. It wasn't going to be an easy road for this miraculous baby, but the end result has changed history. It's the chance you have right now to know Christ. Hey everybody, I want to invite you to join me in reaching people with the message that Jesus is real. Would you pray about partnering with us in the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio? Your support in this way helps us to keep sharing God's word and helps us reach more and more people. Thank you for considering partnering. Find out more at jesusisrealradio.com. I'd love for you to be part of the Crossroads Community Church family. 
but I understand some of our listeners can't make it to the actual church building. If that's you, come join us online. We live stream our Sunday morning services at crossroadschurch.net. So grab a cup of coffee and join us wherever you are for our time of worship and teaching. Jesus is more than the baby you celebrate at Christmas. He's more than a good man who lived long ago. Jesus is the King of Kings. He's worthy of all glory and honor. He's the high priest setting the example for you to follow. And he's your Savior dying so you can live. Next time, Pastor Daniel will explain how allowing Jesus to be all three of these in your life also leads to finding lasting peace as well as unexplainable joy. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.